Welcome to the Find Your Place podcast, where we have conversations about the challenges and stories of placemaking. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to live your best life? What defines place and community for you? The Find Your Place podcast gives you the inside dope on Nashville living and growth through the lens of real estate professionals, developers, and culture contributors, all working together to turn properties into places. So you have your own agency, your own... I'm not on a team. You're not on a team. You're a free-range chicken. Solo, yeah. Free agent. And how long have you been doing that? 18 months. It'll be two years in January. So what I understand, and I'm I'm not of this world, Mm -hmm. but I've learned a lot really fast. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me like it takes a lot of time. There's this illusion that like you're just going to get in and the market's hot and you just get in and they're just like... Money will just kind of slap you in the face if mm-hmm. you just get up every day. Yeah. And um, what I'm getting a sense of is that to start out, it takes a long while to build. Uh, and what I've heard is sort of like a year to two years to start having returns and Absolutely. consistency set mm-hmm. up in, in enough of a way where you can feel like, okay, now I've actually got this thing going. So you're probably just at that point. I am. And the first six months you're in, it's like... Well, for me, of course, I talked to people who had started before me and they were like, oh, I got my first deal in the first six weeks. It was course, awesome. Yeah. Like a huge paycheck. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That'll be me. No, six months. And I remember this woman who had been in the business for like 30 years. She's huge in Hendersonville. was like, you need to have at least six months saved up. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I'll be all right. Nah, it's fine. I'll be all right. And I didn't. And I just like winged it. Um, and I sure enough didn't have my first closing for six months, but then after that, it just took off. Yeah. It was awesome. And yeah, you just wake up every day unemployed and work your ass off to stay employed and talk to the right people. And I guess the right person's like everyone all the time. Well, I think there's, so I do obviously, you know, I'm also a marketer and an artist and a lot of different things. And a lot of the people that I hang with or whatever artists and freelancers of all different makes and models and I'm so used to that culture that whenever I've been in a situation where you're just at a company mm-hmm. working for a place um, or even just being in and around school and colleges, uh, you just find like I feel like people are constantly asleep a little bit that are not feeling they don't have any volatility to feel. Uh, there's no urgency or something that compression of, of circumstance is not there for them. And so you kind of just I get frustrated around situations where I feel like people are just kind of lollygagging through. Yeah. And it's, it's like, um, even if you have to do something that you don't necessarily want to do, or you feel like it's it's beneath you or whatever, it's it's like, but have some, have some passion about it, have something that you're just kind of possessed about and determined or stubborn or whatever you want to call it, but to be alive with it. Like you're every single day as cliche as it is, is a gift or whatever. Like it just like when you're on your deathbed, are you going to be like, man, I'm glad I kind of phoned it in at that gig and made a coach (laughs) living. You know what I mean? I'd rather die trying or, you know, fail miserably or whatever. It's huge when you're self-employed. I think so many people have, grown it's like so uh deep maybe but some people grow up and they never have any struggle things are just like handed Mm -hmm. um and maybe they've had a parent in the business not saying there's anything wrong with that that sounds awful but 
when you don't have a struggle when you're growing up, you can land up two different ways or either way it goes. And I grew up with not a lot and I just knew that was not how I was going to be when I was older. So it's really easy for me to work hard. No one will ever outwork me. I may not have the business that other people have, but no one's ever going to outwork me. And I'm never beneath learning. I, I mean, open houses or just sitting in with like, Shane Talent and yeah. Stoltzfist and like listening to their conversations. It's like just showing up and being here is amazing. Well, and especially it sounds like you're kind of an observational learner. And then also just like, okay, great. I've observed. Now I'm going to synthesize. Now I'm going to go do, and I'm happy to trip fall, you know. Right. And I ask the dumbest questions. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Always ask the dumbest questions. But it, I mean, surely there's someone else that doesn't know what I'm, what I don't know. So I don't really care to sound stupid because we'll just laugh about it later and it'll be funny. Yeah, we'll see. But well, you know, that speaks to emotional intelligence. That speaks to a lot of qualities that I think are perhaps more challenging for maybe some people than others and for you know reasons maybe that are they're doing or not. But if you're, if you're just kind of cool with yourself, not, and I don't mean like in this kind of unapologetic diva kind of way. No, like, I mean, just yeah. like in a, it actually is made of humility on some level. It's not like just a, be brash and fake it till you make it kind or of thing. Or just vulnerable. I mean, you got to fake it till you make it somewhat, but sure. you got to check yourself on the way Yeah. and make sure you're on the way to actually making it. I mean, that's, yeah. that only work. I mean, it's, there's a level of, yeah, fake it till you make it, but then there's a level of vulnerability that goes along with fake it till you make it. You got to, and checking yourself, you just, you got to fucking check yourself. Yeah. I mean, and like, so if, yeah, you can get real cocky. You've got four closings in one month, but then you haven't been working on your pipeline. Like, check yourself, the yeah. attitude. And yeah, that's a good paycheck, but. It's so similar. Like, you know, many years ago when I had a studio and I was producing records and playing on records and just fully immersed in sort of the music industry situation or whatever, albeit on sort of the fringes and stylistically, but. Oh, I can move that? But uh, yeah, you can move it all around here. So, so the point is just that uh, that was my problem. When, when you're so immersed in something and you're spending 16, 18 hour days on a project for three or four weeks or whatever it is, and then you kind of pick your head up and you're like, okay, dust yourself off from that one, you know, sleep for a couple of days and then be like, okay, what's next? And you're like, I haven't, like, how do you do business development in parallel with giving your everything to what you're actually doing? And then the pinch as an entrepreneur or a sole proprietor or whatever, a one man show, one woman show is just that you you have to figure out how to bifurcate your time in ways that are kind of antithetical uh, mindsets. They're not, they're, they're competing mindsets in a way because one is made of this kind of, it's tactical, but it's like empathetic and it's uh, nurturing, like trying to get people to sort of keep the conversation going. And then I want to show them a place and I want to help them envision something. And, you know, there's probably like a lot of subtle art to that that everybody kind of does in their own way. Whereas on the other side of it, it's just kind of this brute force of sort of like, I need to be running email campaigns or I need to have marketing content or I need to. The thing when you're first starting is yeah. I remember you just get so lost and bogged down in like your brand. What's your brand? What's yeah. your why? What's your, you've got to come up with a logo and your marketing and all this shit. When you don't know enough to develop no, any of that. No, you don't even yeah. know enough. It's like, oh yeah. my, like I remember getting stuck for like two weeks, like, okay, I got to get a Fiverr account. I got to have somebody make me a logo and just all this dumb yeah. shit that people don't even, people who are buying houses aren't like, you know, I, I like that logo. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Although that is how I buy like most of my makeup is <laughs> I'm a sucker for packaging. So 
eh, they got me there. But <laughs> it's so it's hard to that's the whole point of like when you're starting what's what's so hard it's you got to figure out what to spend your most precious energy on what's the most important thing and some people will say it's like you got to have a logo you got to have a brand everyone has to know your why and it's like i'm not getting my the girl that does my hair i don't want to know her why when she's doing my hair right or or i just want to experience it yeah like in an intangible way like i I just want to feel it Right. I don't need to be told it or pronounced right. it. Or no, exactly. I don't need an no, expose that's, that's on your exactly, why. I mean, have a why for yeah. sure. Have well, this a why. Whole, I mean, here's the thing. Like the why thing is very important. Simon Sinek. Great. You know, yeah. uh, that's great. I love that. Like know your why and all of that. I, I really do I appreciate all too. that. But there's something that becomes so um, irrationally kind of um, expedited and then also becomes like this kind of dogma that's just sort of spouted but it's it's not authentically emanating from a person it's well, yes, just like, it's, it's a crafted why as right, opposed to like exactly a, yeah. how authentic am i announced shouting from the rooftops to everyone yes it, here's my why and remember like people and don't, this should be important to you and this is and my <laughs> why should be important to you and this is why you should choose me because because of my why and my why is way more important than everyone else's why my why is way not i mean it's that's like saying my why is way more important than Zach Goodyear. Zach at our meeting did the Simon Sinek thing, told us about his why. And I don't think there was a dry room, a dry eye in the room. Yeah. But again, and that was awesome. And it's, it's like helps you figure out what your why really is. Mm -hmm. But then I'm not going to be on social media. Like my why is, (laughs) you know, it's just (laughs) silly to me. Well, it should just be an embodiment. uh, And just, uh, I think if you're really a truly authentic person, and if you have to keep telling yourself, like, I just want to be authentic, then like you're already outside you of yourself, you might want to reevaluate what's going on. Yeah. But if you just stay yourself, you're going to emulate that vibe to people, like, mm-hmm. especially when you're an entrepreneur in sales, which is what this is, mm-hmm. people will come to you. I mean, it's like a no brainer. I mean, people either feel your energy or they don't. And there's no amount of phone calls you can do that's going to like create th- some energy or yeah. no amount of posting about your whys or no like amount of creating a brand that's going to attract people. People either like you or they don't and they're going to work with you or they're not. And they either trust you or they don't. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's also about what are your objectives? If you were trying to build some sort of a, an agency and you're trying to scale and you're trying to grow this thing. And so you're trying to figure out how to sort of, operationally kind of replicate this idea or differentiator into the marketplace that's kind of born of your sort of personal experience, but now I'm trying to really grow it out. I'm trying to do all these things. That's one thing. But if you're reconciling to the idea of reconciled to the idea of like, I'm just doing this, this is just me. And I might have some people that I work with or help me or I help them or right. a small team at most. Like I don't have the aspiration to sort of start my own empire. Mm-hmm. Then it really becomes more about, um, the personal and the, and what's really experiential and meaningful and everything else is kind of, I think can become like a layer of obfuscation between um, the desired result that you're trying to get to. Like if you put up, if you put up all this, if you put on all this makeup and you, you know I mean? You become this other thing mm-hmm. uh, because that's what you feel like you need to do to sort of peacock in the marketplace to stand out <laughs> or whatever, then you've kind of lost yourself. Yeah. You know, I would rather yeah. find like a, you know, maybe slightly disheveled, but honest uh, and knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? No, I know exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's makes so much sense. It's, and like, I'm not speaking literally about appearance. I'm speaking more I know, of, but like, yeah. of 
who you've created yourself to be on social yeah. media. Because you have makeup on right now. Yes. But it's not loud. Well, thank you. It's, it's very subdued. It's for the radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's makeup for the radio. It is. Did you grow up in the nations? In the nation? Uh, every time. Uh, uh, no. Well, I grew up in North Carolina. Oh. Um, in a place called Winston-Salem. Oh, yeah. And then I went to New York City in the 90s. Did you hate it or love it? I loved it. Okay. Yeah. And then um, and then I went to Seattle for a couple of years in the late 90s or mid 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 90s. Seattle in the 90s. I was in Seattle in the 90s. So Cobain. It was yeah. I mean by the time I was there and like say I guess it was 96 that I was in Seattle. It was it was already gone. Like the yeah. the rest of the country is still fever pitch about everything that had mm-hmm. been happening there, but it, the echoes of that were well Seattle was over it. Yeah, they, Seattle had already well moved aged on. Out. Yeah. They'd aged out. So uh but anyway, and then I I came here to Nashville in 98. Oh, nice. And lived in uh, Charlotte Park, West Side. Mm-hmm. And then then I, I guess several years later, got a house in West Mead. That was my dream house. Uh, then got divorced, um, sold that house, which was the dumbest thing I ever did in my entire life. And guess who sold it for me? Brian Stoltzfus. <laughs> and guess who he sold it to? Newell Anderson. Oh so uh, it's a small world. Well, but anyway, hindsight. Hindsight. Yeah, all village village okay. folks. Um, but anyway, so um, then I went back to New York for about four years or so. And then got back here to Nashville in 11, 2011. And then I've been here for eight years again this time around. So more or less in Nashville, though, you know, yeah. off and on with spells or years apart in New York or other places. But Everyone comes back. Well, it is, this, it is a, you know, part of what this uh, podcast that we're putting together is about is is uh, about sort of placemaking as it relates to maybe Nashville. And then sort of I think there's going to be a lot of relatable concepts to emanate out to other markets or yeah. uh, I hate to use that term, other places, yeah. <laughs> right, um, with people in them doing human things, doing, right? They're not yeah. just markets. Right. Uh, but anyway. And it's not just transactions. It's not just transactions. <laughs> uh, they're promises. No. Uh, so uh, So for me – um, if I had to like get at a why and it's not going to be like a tear jerking kind of thing necessarily, but it's what I think my, my, my why is really just a, a kind of pervasive intellectual curiosity and seeing some problems and how to solve them. And I feel like that being in Nashville for as long as I have now and seeing what's transpired and changed, um, you know, when I first got here, it was a place where you could be a creative or a weirdo mm-hmm. or do whatever you want. And you could almost like not even really have a job and somehow pay your rent. Like it was so cheap. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like moving to a third world country, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I remember calling my friends like, Hey, I just moved to Nashville. They're like, why? That's the difference in 1998. I yeah. told people that I moved to Nashville and their first response was literally why? like, why, what is wrong with you? That Ew. seems terrible. Yeah. And then now obviously it's a destination and it's all crazy. But, uh, but I guess the point is just that, in my observations and in all the different sort of documentary film work I've done or photography or art or video art or various, all the different things that I've, I've been kind of involved in, a lot of the themes have always operated around uh, change and the psychology of change and nostalgia and memory and relational memory as it, as it pertains to place and how that affects us as people. And so I just see all this kind of stuff happening and I, and I've done stuff for preservation. I've done stuff for developers. I've done stuff for all, all different sides of it. And I feel like I've kind of just formed a really unique perspective because of that. And so I'm trying to figure out how to, 
how to leverage that conversation or those thoughts. And so I feel like that um, the idea of placemaking and what place actually means or is to different people is just a fascinating and endlessly so uh, curious thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's really, so um, that, you know, uh, that was really the impetus to, to get this going. I don't really, you know, I, I, I like the idea of talking to people about, Oh, you know, like what we were talking about earlier, like how did you get started in real estate and, you know, all this stuff. And that's, but really what it's about is not a, those things are important and interesting to perhaps real estate people or to even just people that are just interested in other people. But but, 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 but what I want to say real quick though, I guess it's just that you have gone through this journey to find, you know, whatever your, your place is in, in all of this you know, as a, as a woman, as a mother, mm-hmm. as a, you know, a, a real estate agent yeah. and, you know, uh, coming into it all new and then trying to reconcile that and then having your own experience with the city that you live in and the places that you've been. Uh, everybody's human experience is all sort of compressed into this sort of soup that's happening right now and then being sort of bought, sold and traded in this kind of marketplace. And what I really believe uh, has not happened well is I don't think that developers and I don't think that real estate agents and I don't think that the communities have all really done the right things to work together to start really empathizing and understanding each other and then working more um, uh, collectively and not like these contrived like well we had a pancake dinner for everybody you know like no. I'm talking about like real ingra- ingratiated uh, measures to you know uh, that really matter um, to sort of start bringing all that together because you know, when you talk about affordable housing, you talk about other things. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like people who, and it's so, such a, so I grew up here. I mean, I like to, uh, people are like, oh my God, I've, you're a unicorn. You grew up in Nashville. And it's like, I kind of hate that term almost because yeah. everyone I talk to, everyone I hang out with grew up here. So it's like, yeah. we're just like a field full of unicorns that are like shitting rainbows everywhere. Right. It's nuts. I like to, I like to, it's more like Nashville really raised me. I grew up in Inglewood when it was not cool to be there. Yep. And we were just didn't have money, but I didn't know it. My mom had me take the Metro bus everywhere again when it wasn't what it is. Even now, yeah. I st- like I have two boys if they were 12, I'd be like, hell no, you're not getting on the bus. I mean, yeah. I probably should let them, but yeah. I was young on the bus taking it. And so what sh- to play off what you're saying, realtors that haven't grown up here don't know the flavor and the culture in these neighborhoods and what they've been through and what they've seen change. And so when they're like, let's throw a development up here and, you know, call it, you know, it's just, it, and then they don't understand why neighbors have a hard time with it. Even if you, even if it's, if it's just them getting priced out of the neighborhood, it's so valuable to have someone that was like, yeah, I remember when it was this, how crazy is it that you're watching this happen over here? And so it is a cool thing coming from having nothing, which I was provided for. It's not like it's this sad sob thing. I mean, we just didn't have as much money as it doesn't matter. But so, yeah, I went from doing, I did hair for 10 years and was burned out by year six. I didn't care what people look like anymore. It was like, <laughs> I just didn't care. People would like, and I had a great business bill. I mean, I couldn't like 
bat my clients away with sticks. I mean, I, yeah. I could not get there's only so them. long that anybody should almost do anything yeah. in most cases. I mean, some people can, I'm really envious, uh, notably, I've, I've said this many times on my other podcast um, about, I'm so envious of people that just like, I do this one thing and I've been doing it since I was a kid and I will do that That's one thing. You know, like my yeah. friend Jeff, he's a saxophone player and plays in like Dave Matthews band now, yeah. right? Like I knew him well, well before all this stuff, you know, but he was doing incredible work his whole life you know, Nashville guy, long time Nashville guy. Um, and I'm like, wow, how brilliant. It's something that's one thing that you can carry around in a little case. Does he want to do it too? Oh, I mean, yeah. love it? He's yeah. endlessly passionate about it and it's endlessly amazing. practicing and endlessly finding new just... worlds to unfold. So, but I feel like that's, a, that's the, the exception. I think that's very rarefied for, for people to have that single point of focus. And it doesn't mean that's the only thing he does. He's really good at photography. He's really good at mm-hmm. a lot of other things, but the point is just that in terms of like careers or occupations or vocations or whatever, I do feel like that you got to switch it up yeah. uh, because it starts to kind of, um, you, you can start to really parlay experience from different, I'm sure you use a lot of your hair experience. Well, I use a lot of my, I worked with some really great hairstylists. Hair experience. <laughs> hair, hair experience. I worked with some really great people that taught me how to treat clients and taught, yeah. just taught me how to treat clients. Like I owe everything to them. Yeah. And these were people that had been in the business for like 40, 50 years. I remember specifically working with a woman named Chi Chi and <laughs> she'd done hair since she was 15. It was not even legal for her to do hair. Mm. And I won't say how old she is now. Um, she'll kill me, but she's amazing. Everyone in Nashville pretty much knows her, but she taught me everything I know about how to treat a client and yeah. it's, that will never go away, but it just, I'm sure you use that all the time now too, oh, right? All the time, just how to follow up. And it's like, I knew how to do all this follow up. Like you take these classes in real estate and how to follow up and how important it is. And it's like, I just, I was doing that without even thinking because it's so ingrained. Yeah. It was the first thing. It was my first career I had. It's just, unfortunately I got, since it was my means, I I just got burned out. I didn't care if your yeah. hair was blonde or brown or if you had roots or your birthday's next week and you have to have your hair cut. I was over it. I couldn't do it anymore. So then I got into construction by accident, which is weird, and ended up being like an assistant project manager there. And then there was like a ceiling. I knew how much I should have been making, and he knew I was self-taught. So he was like, there's no way you're going to make this. And then my aunt, who's like my mom, was like, I've been telling you for years to get into real estate. Get into real estate. Call this woman. Pick her brain. So I did, and I did, and here I am almost two years later and I love it. I really, it's hard, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to fry anyone's hair out, but you can also like, you know, there's, it's like a hair appointment that just takes a long time to, Mm -hmm. to finish. Mm -hmm. And then they pay over 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Seriously. (laughs) It's, it's been super rewarding. I don't know why. I, I should have done it earlier. But. Hey, so this was all super impromptu. I just grabbed you in the I lobby and I just wanted to show you the setup. And then now we just did a podcast. So maybe tell people that are probably going to hear this one day um, who you are okay. and how they can find you. Oh, gosh. So my name is Millie Mundy. You can Best find name me. Ever. Yeah. I mean, Nashville Mill, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm at Village. Uh, call me anytime. 992-0670. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Find Your Place. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 
want to be on the podcast, have a comment, question, topic, anything else for us, it's simple and only takes a few seconds. Just go to anchor.fm slash findyourplace and click the send voice message button and we will feature your message on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening and thanks to Village Real Estate for making this podcast possible.